Hey. Hey, you're listening to Future Sounds. This is season two, episode eight. And we are joined by Enzo, Tom, and Alex joining us from Pacific Plaza Records and Trucks Passing Trucks. Welcome, everybody. And the Vaporwave News Network. Oh, yeah. God, and the Vaporwave News Network and a bunch of other mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably talk about it later, but a sort of aficionado on Broken Social Scene, one of my favourite bands. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Welcome, welcome. And you lot have all been away, you lucky buggers. While I was on holiday. In the holiday. No, no, working. working it's like a working trip for all of us. It was a pure working break um so are you knackered are you exhausted you were all at electricon right electronic aren't yeah i guess that for us it was probably a bit worse because we had to fly back through time zones and stuff and there was a point when me and my bro and probably you tom as well got back having for us we hadn't slept for 20 odd hours and i had to drive back from london to wales so that was pretty oh. hardcore i was fine I was lucky I got Hate back, to say. had like two hours sleep in the afternoon and then I pl- ploughed on through till night and I was kind of right as rain then. But my brother's Jeez. like not as um, resilient, it seems, as me and he took a few days to recover. Which is pretty good going as I'm quite a bit older than him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, it was it was brilliant and it was um, tiring and uh, I can't necessarily do four days flat out. So God knows how people manage to make it to things like Afterwave and stuff, but I'm sure we'll talk about all of that. Jeez. Mm. So, so yeah. So, who who wins the prize for the most most things attended or the the kind of most days without sleep? I think you're up there, Alex. Yeah, not no, me. it wasn't me. There were definitely people who went to way more things. I don't know how people did it. I mean, it took a lot of energy to make it through the whole weekend. I mean, I didn't even have a long travel back, and I still feel tired from last weekend. And I just, <laughs> just flew back out. across the country. When did you arrive then, Alex? Did you arrive the same day as us on the Wednesday? I did the overnight thing, so I flew out Tuesday night, arrived Wednesday morning, and then did all of Wednesday, all the way until I saw you guys. Yeah, so we met up at Roberta's, which is a place that I always force people to go to if I can. Is that uh, your favorite pizza place? An amazing pizza place in Brooklyn, yeah. It was so funny because you all were delayed, and so I went over there anyway. And yeah. of course, I just ran into other vaporwave people there. Immediately saw Videodrome, Indie from Utopia District, Brass Fair Mall, Strip Silence, and I was like, "This is perfect!" Like, ah, oh, it's a bummer I'm missing these guys right now, but it's so cool to see some other vaporwave friends that I didn't expect to see, and then friends of mine from Rosewood who are also people I know from Southern California showed up, and so we got the California vibe going. And then you guys all showed up. It was That's awesome. the beauty. Oh, yeah. It's such a warm welcome. The well. We were welcomed up. with beers. Yeah, and it was so cool. It was pretty cool. So shouts to Indy and the crew for um, making sure that we got pizzas just in time because we spent three hours in um, security on the way in. Did you? We kind of yeah, weaving backwards and forwards through this queue. It was just mega packed. And then so we we put the warning into Tom who'd been to a wedding earlier on in the day, hadn't we? And I'd said to you, watch out, be prepared for a few hours. And then ironically, I think by the time you cleared in twenty minutes, and you pretty much yeah. caught up with us. Huh. Yeah, it's mental. I was Were like two flights later than you, and I was only only about half an hour later than you. That's you know, right. I don't know if anyone's seen on the news today, and uh, speaking of famous Americans and security issues, Bomac, the legendary trainer of the year, uh, Terence Crawford's trainer, who's just been in the UK for a Chris Eubank Jr. boxing match, and um, he's been picked up at the airport today with a loaded gun in his bag. What? And he's been remanded remanded in custody until October the 9th. Jesus. It's just insane. It's in, I don't, I'm not sure why you'd bring it out of the country. Maybe they flew in on a private jet or something, but he's literally Maybe. just gone to a commercial, like, um, you know, security check, and they found a loaded handgun in his bag. What a nutter. Uh, airport security is so weird. I heard from so many different people, like, 
they had different security requirements going through. So some people had to take off their shoes. Some people had to take their yeah, laptops out. And it was just all over the place. People were flying with like weed and other drugs with them. No problem. <laughs> I actually, I accidentally walked on my plane with half an edible still. I planned to take it outside the airport. No. I, they didn't even notice. And then I was on the airplane and I was like, yeah. oh, well, they, they I'll might save seem this to be suggesting that's trip. fine for like an internal flight from, really? from, from, some, from states state to some state to state. On lead, there yeah, are certain if, states, if it's legal yeah. In but technically, yeah. if you're on an airport or you're on an airplane and you're in an airport, that's federal jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's it's, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, the I security stuff that. is so weird now, like especially internally here in the U.S. with all the different like yeah marijuana laws. God, you know. so, so when so when did you all kind of convene? How when did it all kick off? Break it down. So that for was me. the Wednesday night. We met at Roberta's and we kind of couldn't stick around there too long, could we? And we ended up just like. All like um, blind, blind leading the blind, walking through <laughs> the streets of Brooklyn, trying to find a bar that was open. And uh, Tom, of course, was trying to meet us at Roberta's. <laughs> yeah. And then the next, I was bar always one, one spot behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually, yeah, leading me of... on a wild goose chase around around Brooklyn, like including through roads that weren't built yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I ended up with loads of tarmac on the bottom of my shoes. To be fair, yeah, yeah. yeah. We basically, the guy, some guy was closing up. And right. um, I think and you were like, I think we're going to spend we a lot of money in, in this joint. We sweet talked yeah, and told him how many people. Down. I think it was one of us lot that went in first because they sent us back down from the rooftop, and the guy was out having a cigarette, like packing up all the bins. And then he was, I think he got wind of how many of us there were. It's kind of random, just suddenly there's 20 nerds in vaporwave um, t shirts just turning up at like <laughs> one in the morning in a dead night. But he was, he was, he was, it was funny. Yeah, we think well, he was we in a photo with us at the end as well. There's quite a oh, cool um, group photo, isn't there? Yeah, yeah when we showed up, we went upstairs because we were like, oh, cool, rooftop bar. And they told us that the show that was there that night had just ended. So we uh, all wandered back down. And luckily, someone flagged the bartender. And it <laughs> turned out really nicely, actually. It just ended up being a random hang of like 20, 30 people at one point, yeah. I think. That's wild. Cool. That I mean, the bartender was definitely came. happy to just make a chunk of change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Yeah, groceries was there. Yeah, there were a bunch, bunch of artists were there. Frank. Hey, Frank's Frank. always there. I've seen Frank a lot of photos Frank, of him. I mean, Frank, Frank wins the prize, really, for being everywhere. There's yeah. no question. In I, think my that, mind. I think there's more, more than one of him, right? There, there must be. <laughs> yeah. He, We're just saying yeah. cheesy poses. I love it. I, I, my, I heard my brother talking to Josh from Iverson today, and um, Josh is a big admirer. And I think we sent a video clip from Frank to yeah. Josh while we were at that bar on the first night. And he said, What's he like in person? Like, is he, is he really like that? And we were. I heard my brother saying, yeah, there's only one Frank. <laughs> like, that's Frank, whether you catch him in the day, whether you catch him at the night. And every time I've met him, which isn't as many as some of you guys over there, but every time I've met him, he's, he's the same kind of larger-than-life, 100 mm. miles an hour, hour character. Like, Oh, New York City. You are definitely a city. It took me five hours to get inside you. But once I was there, it took me an hour train ride from JFK to Brooklyn to finally make it to my vaporwave pilgrimage. And the first thing I arrived into was John Zabelli and um, Icy Icy, and we ate pizza together. We ate pepperoni pizza, or I had a recurring joke that my gooch smells like pepperoni. Later that night, we all took a big nap in the center of a like a bank i think it was like an old bank that was turned into an airbnb when i awoke i took my saxophone with me to the middle of brooklyn and um i played for a bunch of uh slushy slush people 
and it was fun. I really enjoyed meeting everyone there. Um, I'm the type of person to go up and press X on everyone, so I just talked to everyone there. And then the day after that was Electronicon 2023, the last Electronicon to ever happen ever. And that was really fun. I also went up and uh, talked to people. I was on various substances, which I cannot say legally because I think they're highly illegal in the UK. But um, I met uh, Donor Lens, which was the best act I have ever heard in my entire life. Um, they changed the game. Uh, we need donor lens in the States. I chanted and everyone chanted along with me because they also agreed that donor lens is the best vaporwave duo, um, best vaporwave project ever of all time, actually. So electronic con was a great place to meet people, a great place to hang out, a great place to, um, do a, you know, religious pilgrimage to, I mean, why did we all show up to New York? We could have showed up to Idaho. It would have been easier transportation-wise. We all could have, you know, slept in a giant field, like in, a, in tents and stuff. But uh, New York is pretty fun. It takes, like, about an hour to go five miles, which was ridiculous to me. But because of how congested and packed the city was, it was fun. Um, my favorite act of the night was probably 18 Carat Affair. That was the most true vaporwave I had seen at that point. Everyone else did, like, you know... Electronica, breakbeat, dubstep, trap, rap, pop. But um, 18 Carat Affair did the whole vaporwave thing, which I was surprised to see at a vaporwave music festival, honestly. And yeah, I had a great time. And then afterwards, we went to a barcade. I did more substances. Went to the afterwave, did more substances. Danced until 5 in the morning. Uh, slept on an air mattress in my friend's um, office. Uh, ate a breakfast bagel. Showed up really late to the tape swap, so late that I didn't get sick. So whoever was at the tape swap that got everyone sick left by the time I showed up. So I had a great time there. Also, everyone followed me because I have the most followers on social media. So everyone just followed me. Um, as I walked through the streets of Brooklyn, we went to this big hot dog wiener place. We ate some wieners together. Then we went down to the pier. I got peed on and I took a picture of it happening, uh, which you could see on my Instagram, Twitter, and OnlyFans. And it was just an overall experience. I really enjoyed hanging out with people that I know online, getting to know people more deeply in real life, uh, finding new friends. And that's what it's all about in this scene is uh, making music and then uh, making friends and hanging out. So yeah, that was my Electronicon 2023 Vaporwave pilgrimage experience. Oh yeah, and then I went home on Monday and then I ate in and out and then I took a nap and then I was like, oh, I need to go edit my footage. I still haven't edited half of the footage. I'm still missing Saturday. I still need to watch it. I recorded over three hours of footage and I've been editing on Twitch. So everyone go to frankjavc.com. If, if you want to see me. All right. Shouts out to Donor Lens. Yeah, we hang out with Frank quite a bit here in LA because Frank's also from here. And uh, literally, always on. Like, I've done some like long drives with Frank too, going down to San Diego and stuff. And, you know, a okay. really good person to talk to, easy to talk to. That's one of the best things about Frank. Mm -hmm. Super easy to talk to Frank. Yeah. I should, be, should make a t shirt. We have a slogan here, yeah, talk to Frank, to Frank isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I told Be him what Frank. talk to Frank is. He didn't yeah. know that. It's like drug advice. Like drug advice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Talk to Frank. We, we should find a t-shirt on eBay or something. Or a local, that is uh, a great shout. He wants know, to come like and play a, a show yeah, in the UK. So, In fact, I lost count of the amount of times we had conversations with different artists who were saying, I might be in the UK next year. And we were like, well, if yeah. we can put a show around it, that would be good. I was going to say, that's Frank was one, I think. 
exactly. Yeah, but, but for real, right? Like any any American artist who finds themselves in the UK, like that, that that's kind of like a mutually beneficial thing for all of us. Like it's 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 totally within our our, our reach to kind of organise a show around. You know, it's difficult for us to fly American acts over because of the expense. But if you're mm. going to be here anyway. Yeah. Um, on like a business trip or visit visiting family or whatever, like we can totally just make something create happen. one. And was this the yeah. biggest one? Do you think? Have you guys been to previous ones? Biggest in what what sense? You're asking about Electronicon. Are you asking yeah. about whether it was the Which biggest? Which I mispronounced e- at the start econ. of the show. Yeah, um, Electricon. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, you'd have to edit that. I um, got a slip of the tongue. It's too much water. I liked it. Thanks, liked thanks, it. man. Alex, um, what do you yeah. reckon? You've been to all four, haven't you? Yeah, you know, I was observing quite quite closely all weekend because I was curious too. I mean, I felt like it was about the same as last year. It okay. didn't feel bigger, but there was also the whole thing where there was one less room, so there was no club stage this year, which I think mm-hmm. was kind of like a surprise to people, even though they hated it, hated it, you know, so much last year. Still I think they actually want people wanted a little small intimate area like that. Yeah. I kind of missed it. I'm not going to lie, but. Mm-hmm. During Georgia's set, you know, it was packed out just as much as it was last year. People were flying through the crowds, crowd surfing during his set. Some of the sets on Friday, it was just insanely packed. Like, I was looking from that big balcony area, and it was just filled with heads during Neon Vectors. And Lux's Mm -hmm. set as well. It was massive. I mean, I wonder whether there were slightly... It felt to me like there might be slightly fewer people. It was bigger in the sense that it had two days, which was an interesting way to do it. And I think people quite enjoyed that, the Friday Agreed. The Friday being a little bit more explicitly vapor, and then the Saturday being like a mixture still in the kind Adjacent. of same style as other ones, but with only two stages, you could probably have slightly fewer people, but it feel just as busy because people are divided by a, a, a smaller number of stages. But it wasn't like small in the, smaller in the sense that it felt like it hadn't achieved as much as previous years. Mm. I just um, I think that it's like anything if you're trying to sell the fourth part in a in a film. Uh, series hmm. if, if you've missed the first one two or three it's harder to get people in at the fourth and it's also not quite as special as the first time you go it's naturally going to be the case i mean we had an i had an amazing time this time and i hope it's not the last one which i'm sure we'll talk about later but at the same time it's never going to be as special as the first time no that's I a really good so. way to put it yeah i guess not so, so, so did george foreshadow this is that what he's as he said it's going to be the last time he does it you know it won't be and it'll be a big like yeah it's back Electronicom reborn. Yeah. I think it's rebranding. Yeah. He's for left sure. room to. He's left wiggle room, hasn't he? Like mm-hmm. by being ambiguous with the wording and stuff. Yeah. You know, this could be could be the last one under this name, or the last one for a year or two, like Glastonbury do when they kind of let the fields. He definitely the fields had, fallow for defi- a year, you know. Yeah, he definitely had a few fallow. of the artists like singing from the same hymn sheet because I know St. Pepsi said thanks for coming one last time. Oh, that's um, interesting. I think Everyone George referenced it in his set. I think quite a few people, like in his Esprit set, he might have said it. He certainly did a couple of posts. The T-shirt that they sold said "End of Electronicon," and huh. he did a post of him laying down with a with a birthday cake. I think it was. I might be misremembering yeah. this, but he did like yeah. some kind Tombstone. of like. Yeah, you know, like a, a mock death 1960 style rock star <laughs> photo, which was really cool. Saying thanks for being there. It's, this oh, is the guys. end, kind of thing. Well, you were but, there. You yeah, could buy all the T-shirts. I, I, I don't buy it either. I think that maybe it will be different. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a pun on the on the end of Evangelion, isn't it? The the anime thing, and they were selling T-shirts with like the same kind of fonts. And yeah, stuff. that's what I've heard. I'm not familiar with Evangelion, Just but like to that sell shirt t-shirts. design was super popular. They yeah. sold out shirts yeah, really yeah, yeah. fast this year. I couldn't even get one because I usually wait till like later in the day on day two, and yeah. there was nothing left. Yeah. Do you think it was as loved as much as the Knuckles one last year? 
No, that one's. It is like the Knuckles one last year. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was dope. I didn't get that one though. I always like to get a lineup shirt, and so I don't know. Maybe they'll put some online. <laughs> Doesn't great. seem like it though. It's yeah. been a week. <laughs> this this lineup shirt had like a kind of litany of dodgy fonts, didn't it? it had like sort of papyrus oh, no, and really. Comic Sans and stuff like. Yeah, no, I think it was it was a, a, you know gra- graphic design is my passion kind of thing. You know? like they, <laughs> Did someone they, spot they, a typo every, every, in it as well? Yeah, it did in, sure, it's, in sure. the definition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It said that something was spelt wrong or something. Yeah, something but it was, was all spelled, yeah. <laughs> probably deliberate. Something and it, probably. This was. Well, you can just ironic. say that's the beauty of vaporwave, though, isn't it? You can yeah, always claim like, oh, after the event. Sorry, yeah, yeah I meant mashing that. high and low art. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and this wasn't a sort of ironic like vaporwave is now dead. So like this is the end, and my event is gonna like you know. No, I don't think he didn't do the whole God thing on stage as far as I can recall. I don't think he made that same joke about himself being the king of Vaporwave in in quite the same way as he did last year. Because I think that was quite topical then. I think it was all handled nicely. It was all handled quite nicely this time. And I I personally didn't notice anywhere near as much of people whinging and bitching on social media Mm -hmm. about about the lineup and about the event itself. It just felt kind of like people just went and enjoyed it or they just carried on with what they were doing anyway. That's fair enough. Yeah. How was that? Was the, the big? The, oh, sorry, the, the big, the big whinge last year. So it's like ex- exactly a year since all this kind of that's not vaporwave stuff was popping off. Like all the people who who weren't at the events, just like being being rude about people who were. Um, there wasn't so much of that this year. Like I saw some sort of usual suspects kind of trying to rag on on pictures of people having fun this year, but like there wasn't. <laughs> Don't have fun. That's not a vaporwave event. Yeah. Do you think people are more yeah. accepting that it's like a broad church now? And you know, it's, it's definitely like more like industry and more pro, wasn't it? And like, I'm surprised people weren't criticizing that that more, maybe. Um, but like, day day one was like quite like an authentic vaporwave event, and day two was like much more sort of genre diverse. Um, you know, yeah, I think that was a good move on his part. So yeah, it was a, it was a nice split, wasn't it? And and some like very impressive kind of OG bookings like James Ferraro and 18 Carat Affair and stuff. Like it was oh, it was a smart okay. lineup. Yeah, I think the and I suspect thing. like John John Mouse was probably part of that thinking, but it like obviously ended up being like quite misjudged for other reasons. But I'd imagine that was the musical thinking behind it. Yeah, I wonder it's if like, um, one of the reflections I have of the wider weekend is that by having a two day thing and by having that slushy fest the day before and then having mm-hmm. the tape swap and chill the day after, kind of people definitely came to New York and got their money's worth. There were a lot of underground Vaporwave events that were happening alongside it. You had parties like Afterwave that were going on throughout the night, and there, there were quite a few okay. little pop-up things that were going on. So Yeah, music like, website ones as well, yeah. It felt like, like a better organised hive of Vaporwave Weekender, as it were, with, with yeah. Electronicon just being the main event, so to speak, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, yeah we met people who didn't go to Electronicon. Artists who Seriously. didn't go as well. Like, but yeah, like De- Desert Sand was just like hanging out on the high line and going to burger king he was saying and he went to the, the i think he went to so went cool. to the, the slushy festival obviously where he was performing and um i think maybe went to some some other events as well oh, yeah he went went to the one on thursday went to the one on sunday but i think had a nice weekend in between without hmm. you know going to the quote-unquote main event but i think there, there are a few people who did that Future i was going to um before the break ask uh, alex i heard you talking way back in 2019 about like you know Vaporwave IRL, Vaporwave, it's going to happen. And now it's happened, post-COVID. Um, you know, what, what are your reflections, takeaways, experiences? Is it everything you dreamed of? I have some mixed thoughts on it, actually. It's 
and it's interesting because yeah, that was like a strong narrative that I guess I was definitely trying to push and like trying to push with some other people, but I don't think it was actually on the cusp of like breaking out the way we thought it was back then. And now like two years since live music has come back, it's finally happening again. So mm. it seems weird to me that like we said this last year, we said it right as the pandemic was ending. So I feel like I've heard this. I've, I've been part of it, but I've also heard people say three different times now, live vaporwave's about to explode. Yeah. So I'm a little more like, hopefully. Yeah. But you think, yeah, um, I'm not, I'm less, I'm less excited that it's happening because <laughs> you, it's been around me in Southern California for a while now, yeah, but it's still not coalescing not at a grassroots level like that I thought it. it would. And econ kind of puts stars in people's eyes and then dollar signs. It, it's like, well, maybe not dollar signs, although I guess some people think you can make money off of it, but like, it's uh, it's tough. It's a lot tougher to book stuff than I think people think. And then everyone wants to do it really big and do do really impressive things that have ten artists on the lineup. And then we end up with like four festivals in a weekend, like Econ, which has its benefits and drawbacks. But like the idea of small grassroots scenes are not taking hold as much as I thought. Yeah, that's, that's what I was gonna. That's maybe what I was that's gonna what ask. I'm. Yeah, maybe that's what's kind of like my personal qualm th- overthinking the live scene were you kind of envisaging lots of local stuff kind of more in the ronnie kind of way of doing things definitely stl do something in your local town build a show mm-hmm. 100 150 people have something healthy even less honestly you got to start with like 25 50 people yeah you used to so have you, a music venue. Didn't that's you? what helps. That's what also helps raise artists and become better performers. You start off performing practice. for smaller crowds. You get that yeah. practice, and you learn to become a better performer. Someone like Frank is an amazing performer because he performs all the time, and he oh, gets it, God. and he knows how to work a crowd. I perform a lot, but I'm still not the best at working a crowd because I'm still a relatively new DJ, only having DJ for like three or four years, really. Yeah. So. I can definitely tell, like, when I DJ versus when I play my band, like, when I'm playing my band, I could do a great job at, like, being the front man. But as a DJ, like, I'm putting more effort into being the front man DJ entertainer. Oh, yeah. Because I think Vaporwave DJing needs to be entertaining, or else Future Funk DJing should be entertaining, because mm-hmm. it's easy to just stand there and press play, and that works for, like, Slush Wave, but people need to, like, think about different ways to curate their performances depending on sort of the subgenre you're playing or kind of the vibe you're trying to impart like i'm curious to see real barber beats performances like it was cool seeing global chill but you guys have actually seen like a barber beats performance right like i'm curious what that looks like and what people do yeah because i mean there's more you can do than just press play on a laptop i mean i know like global chill is using an sp Hmm. yeah and i've been thinking about putting together a barber beats dj set as like a dj recently not like as a performer because i don't make barber beats but like i've been thinking about putting together a barber beats dj set and what that would be like do it i think that there's there's loads of potential people could do loads more there's breaks it's all similar bpm you could do a lot of transitional mixing that that kind of showcased your actual dj skills it wouldn't just be about curation it's a bit like if i'm trying to do a jungle set or like a vapor break set there's quite a lot you can do with the act or the art of djing itself that can bring it to life beyond just um, harsh, sharp transitions from one track mm. to another, which is still like the skill is in the curation. It's engaging people, still in engaging people in the audience. I'm not saying that it doesn't have a purpose, but you can kind of do quite a lot of traditional style mixing and chopping using things like Barber Beats because the BPM is similar and because it's 
kind of yeah i mean that's what breaks were were built for you know in many ways that's that was the whole art of early hip-hop djing and then drum and bass djing and stuff like that so there's an old schooler talking and there is one guy who's trying to do turntablism well turntable djing with barber beats and vaporwave which is big baby prophet who's on your flamingo fest yeah. And Big Baby Prophet, I was watching one of his streams the other night, and he was DJing Barber Beats, beat matching Barber Beats, and I was like, "Damn, yeah, this is so sick!" Like that's one of the things that inspired me. That's like, yeah, there is potential in this. Besides, you know, just pressing play, which it sounds like some of the Barber Beats artists who perform live have done. I know, no discredit to them, but like, yeah, that is kind of I mean, like it, a little bit more disappointing than seeing like Global Chill doing the SP thing. Yeah, and if or you marry like the Vaporwave cool Zero visuals guys. and stuff, there's loads of stuff that can be done. You know, like true. Is that because sort of producers have produced before they thought about performing live? But, definitely. You know, yeah, like, definitely. Okay, I've, You're I've on done the money it. There. I've got it how I want it. Oh fuck! I've now got to make this interesting to an audience. Yeah, for sure. And one of the cool things about Slushy Fest, though, is there was kind of a variety of performances in the way people were doing yeah. things. Some people were performing their first sets ever, which was kind of cool to see. Oh, and so, cool. like, I guess. Veering back towards like slushy fests, obviously live vaporwave and all that, like really uh, did explode this weekend in New York. I was saying, I was thinking earlier when I did my podcast episode pre econ, I actually kind of renamed it the Vaporwave Weekend in New York City. It wasn't a econ podcast; it was the Vaporwave Weekend in New York City because that's really what it turned out to be. Yeah, mm. yeah. What did you make of slushy like fest? Then I mean, it was a great crowd. Um, it was a lot bigger in numbers than I'd expected it to be. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect. Two stages was an ambitious endeavor. Yeah, cool. I venue. guess that it's a little bit easier when you're not piggybacking, but obviously the guys who put that show on knew that Econ was happening. They knew that they'd have a captive audience in New York. So I guess trying to draw conclusions as to how healthy the vaporwave scene is off the back of something like that is harder to do because you had a thousand people in the city for Econ, a thousand at least. Um, but it did show that people have got an appetite for the underground side of things because they came out in good numbers and they also came out in good numbers for the tape swap on the Sunday as well. I mean, yeah, do you I think agree. that's where the true heart of Vaporwave is then? It's an interesting question. I mean, I got a bit of an insider perspective on Slushy Fest because I volunteered to help basically stage manage for them and like cool. show up and basically make sure the stages were kind of running on time do any little things early in the show that people needed help with so like i had to find headphones for djs at one point power strip for vapor <laughs> walking artists over to the stage who were really nervous who weren't really <laughs> sure what to do or how to prepare before a set and you know giving people pep talks and stuff like this that is why it went so and smoothly. like yeah well that kind of stuff does help something run it smoothly does. it's true and like that's why i just put it out there to those guys like hey you're not asking me to do this i'm telling you i want to do this because i want to see this event go well and I wanted to see a lot of those people performing like what they do. And it's cool to get the inside perspective and see like, yeah. what are they playing with? How are we plugging them in? Like when Obelisks or formerly Towers played, that was his first performance ever. Very nervous. Uh, and yeah. uh, I was like, what is this slusher going to do? You know, like the slush wave people were very interesting to me as well. Like I really wanted to see Days of Blue and it was cool to see Desert Sands in a environment that I could see him and not sweat in. Yeah. <laughs> so like, in it was cool to see that. And then you also had Fluffer. DJs outside or people like doing little bits of hardware along with their DJing like the Donor Boys did. So that was super cool to see like the variety of performances. And that's why I liked having all these extra events because people are doing a little bit different stuff than what you're going to do at a big festival like econ where you got to be very professional you got to be sending all your outputs correct you need to have your you know your 
sheet or whatever they call the you know the tech sheet ready and for t- for a tape swap for slushy there's no tech writers no tech sheets mm. just kind of like oh let's bit, uh, yeah rough and ready you know see what happens and i like that kind of like anarchic diy vibe but it definitely takes a little more uh experience from the people running it to make it happen sure. so it's good that people are getting that experience of running events from that, Alex? Who, who did you enjoy oh. seeing oh man I'm feeling really conflicted about like saying favorite sets or sets that I thought were the best or what I really liked because I was trying to go into so I was trying to go into everything with such an open mind and then skipped things that I knew I probably had already seen or like I could see otherwhere or otherwise. So like I really enjoyed actually seeing the donor boys perform and the way you guys (laughs) added the dual vocals on top of your tracks and stuff while DJing and adding synth work. I think that's like super like progressive for live performances. And Vape Air does a similar sort of thing. He doesn't have vocals, yeah. but he plays the bass. He shreds. Uh, mm. But yeah, I liked today's a blue set. I mean, yeah, I, I just really enjoy getting people, getting to see people like have that moment that they got to perform in front of people, like Daydream Deluxe when he finally stepped up and got to play. You know, both events like. He was just so excited and like yeah. ready to throw down, and like didn't matter how many people were there. Like he just went for yeah. it. And yeah, he had the two a.m. slot, didn't he? Yeah, he had a late slot, and like mm. you know, I have big respect for people who do stuff like that. And yeah. turn up as if the crowds thousands. Yeah, so it was cool game to see in? like Data Girl and Enrail play in front of you know a lot of people at Econ. The James Ferraro set was something I was really excited to mm. see what would happen because I really had no idea and like could not really speculate very well on what was going to happen. And what did happen was yeah. pretty sick, but. uh yeah. I, I wanted the DDS set to be like a super highlight for me, and like it was a highlight, it was good. But for me personally, this is a shout out to my uh, my my partner, my girlfriend, because she wasn't there. It wasn't. I don't know. I didn't enjoy oh. it as much as I did the year before oh. when we were both there watching it together. So that's very. Uh, I'll uh, very I'll put that one out there for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Can I throw a couple of highlights in from Slushy Fest quickly, if I may? Obviously, it's always. Yeah. Um, it was exciting because I was with you guys traveling uh, for the ahead of the Donalend set and I've seen the work that you guys have put in prepping for that so it's obviously going to be exciting for me seeing you guys and you did smash it and the crowd was captivated so that was a proud moment but John's set John's set Christ Mm. Um, or did he perform as Christ I can't remember what it was like Christ and Father 2006 yeah so I I didn't I really didn't know what to expect and I, I did go up to him afterwards to say this but there was like the the bass tones that were coming from from his performance at the start like it was i found it really alarming really arresting it was like um i had quite a strong emotional reaction to it which i wasn't expecting visceral i found it really um yeah unnerving yeah and um because limo and i were both stood together where we had our merch table which was just to the side of that main stage and i just i didn't know quite how to react to it and it was probably the the first vaporwave set that I've seen IRL that has done something like that, and I think John was a bit like taken aback by by my comment. And it wasn't—it's not a criticism; it's a compliment. It the way that the the visuals interacted with the music and these really moody, heavy bass tones—I found it like yeah. challenging, but like mm-hmm. um, yeah, almost like it was just—I was gripped. Did it was it, completely did, gripped? Did it prompt a bowel movement? No, it wasn't the the the, the brown note. <laughs> that was the, <laughs> the joke that we were playing. Yeah, the mythical brown note. It wasn't that. It was, but it was close. It was shame. close. I was. We were talking yeah. about. We were like joking that there could be a mass exodus from the dance floor any minute. 
as every, as he hit as he hits that secret frequency and um, <laughs> everyone people evacuates. excusing themselves. Everyone's off to say goodbye to their Robertas. <laughs> so yeah. he's a burning man. He's, he was much. one of the few artists playing whose like work would translate to like a gallery context or like a you yes, know, like sure. it, it's kind of art art, you know, fi- fine arts, and that that's his background, right? I would love to book him to play in like a movie theater. That's yeah. where it needs to be a movie theater where you bring in a good sound system. There are actually a few like James Ferraro set would would work in in a Same. movie yeah. theater context. The, yeah. Maybe DDS would some of the some of the slushy people that you mentioned like like Desert Sand and Days of Blue like they, they would work in that kind of context as well. Yeah, but like sure. um, there there definitely seemed to be you know like we were part of it as Donor Lens and, and definitely as three piece suites there was definitely people people kind of um, who were like pushing a much more dancey sound. You know, kind of associated with the vaporwave scene because of like history and and the community and stuff, but like essentially playing dance music with like a kind of nostalgic. I don't want to use the word lens, but I'm going to have to because I boxed mm, myself mm, into mm, a corner. Mm. But yeah, you know, n- n- mm. nostalgic, prism. nostalgic dance music. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We'll go prism, cool word. Prism. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, like yeah, even the, the equip, act. the equip and FM skyline. From what yeah, I yeah, playing that kind patch. of Chicago house house tunes with with, with, with kind with of MIDI. FM synth yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. loved it. Someone on Blue Sky was, that was saying cool that, yeah, that was that was their favourite. Uh, mm, FM that was fun. I, it's worth mentioning very quickly on DDS as well, though. DDS, it was the first time that they'd had all three of them on stage. And I think that I was quite that. special. I still can't remember yeah. who I told. I told a couple people earlier in the day. I was making a prediction mm. during the day. I was like, I bet all yeah. three of them are going to play together, especially mm. after the, the Giant Claw set. Huh. I was saying that to people. I was like, okay, after I saw the Giant Claw set, I was like, you know what? I bet all three of them play together during their set. And it yeah. happened. That was actually very cool and exciting. It I wish they played special. like another song or two with him or played something off Faith and Persona altogether. I wanted to hear more Faith and Persona yeah. tracks from those guys this weekend, and I didn't get mm. that. <laughs> 18 Carat Affair was a vibe as well. That was kind of one of the last sets that yeah. we caught because we were pretty um, yeah, washed up by the Saturday night. But it was the right the, music for that, though, wasn't it? I was going to say, it was late, quite hypnotic, early morning it? vibes. It felt like that. I yeah, mean, he, night, he had yeah. the best by far of all of the sets I saw across the whole weekend. 18 Carat Affair had by far the best visuals, I felt. That huge screen. And it was like um, kind of a really technicolory kind of cartoon image of a television or in the middle. And then it was basically just looping video clips on the, yeah. on the screen, as it were. And it, it all matched yeah. to this classic Vapor style, but with his vocals and these dance moves he was pulling off that were really simple. <laughs> yeah. And just everything he did, it felt just perfectly in sync strange I mean, dance moves right strange I'd say the same well, as Lux's though Lux's dance moves uh, matched mm. with her music that was a step up from last year as well that was that was quality too yeah. Kabuki theatre right like kind of operatic yeah. sort of mind, it's, it's, mind it's like what, very cool Yeah, it's a bit like what Alex was saying about how you can perform if, 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 if essentially what your musical task is done beforehand when you've created the tracks and you're essentially pressing play how can you perform with that mm. you can bring a visual game to the fore and you can you can move with the bring music and engage people and, yeah. and in Lux's case and in 18 Carat Affairs case it was to the physical movement which was just as entertaining and immersive yeah. as, as everything else as a package it was great none of those two have uh, for me None of those two have suggested they might come to the UK because I'd love to see both of them. Lux has talked about it. It's a possibility yeah. one day. It's a I possibility. heard 18 I mean, Carat Affair is they... open to more shows too in the future. Yeah, I guess he had a good experience at Econ this year. Yeah, his set was super cool. I mean, the visuals, the image, the big main image with the TV on it actually comes from his most recent album, Body Double. Yeah. But 
it was like the perfect encapsulation of like vaporwave signifiers. You know, it had the columns, had some globes, had a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, foreign text. It had the the checker floor, and yeah, all those clips and the way like the static in between those different clips and songs and short yeah, snippets of certain things thing. was perfect. I mean, it yeah. was such a great vaporwave performance, this little kind of Morrissey-ish homage with the way he's like throwing the flowers and yeah. keeping uh, his back oh, yeah. pocket and stuff. Like, yeah, interesting. Yeah, homages to like 80s and 90s sort of music culture mm-hmm. while still doing like his unique thing that he was really doing before even vaporwave. So I'd, it's cool to see him oh, embrace and really like... I guess kind of seemed like he's a you know a part of it where so many artists rejected vaporwave when they were put in that category. So I hope we see more. Yeah, he lent into it more than anyone else on the bill, probably in terms of the signifiers and stuff. Yeah, and even just the way he was lit, how you could like barely see his face most of the time. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. it was really cool. I mean, did any of you guys um, was good? Get any video? Is there anything on the YouTube's that I can uh, pretend I was there? There are a couple. We got some footage. Not YouTube. Lots and lots of phone clips and, you know, um, like Nano Shrine was filming all of Data Girl's performance, for example. And I think Ognos was, was, was taking lots of uh, photos. And yeah, there is a good channel called The yeah. Vaporian or The Vapertorian. And yeah, he's been putting up some full set videos that were recorded from a pretty good angle. And I saw one or two people who had cameras on, you know, sticks but also were wearing okay. headphones and like looking very prepared and i would see people talking and be like hey where are you gonna put those videos and they're like sure. i gotta edit it first so i think a lot of people are probably Wi-Fi still editing was fucked. they couldn't stream yeah from, i think utopia from, district from Econ, right like it, yeah. yeah yeah but a lot of people are probably editing stuff still i'd imagine yeah and, yeah, we, and yeah. we we fucked the wi-fi at um the tape swap as, as well because um people were <laughs> giving did. out the code it had they had like a hilariously easy to guess password and i think <laughs> you know there were sort of hundreds Econ of people connected 23 to too funny no it was it was even more bait than that I think. tell us a little bit about um tape swap then let's have a little delve into that it was busy it was yeah. The, really the interesting thing was there's a change of approach by India and the U- Utopia District team. It was the first time um, that they char- chosen to charge for an event, and I think that okay. I've listened to the Utopia post, uh, the Utopia District podcast in the last couple of days, and I spoke to Indy while we were there, and I think that they had you know some issues with the last event. Too many people, um, you know, like not necessarily very well set up to have that mixture of mingling and music. Um, and so they made the call and in the end it seems to have worked for them because they had good numbers there and they had two stages in the same way as what Alex was saying about having a good setup for Slushy Fest I think the guys who were running the visuals and the audio did a really good job of trying to keep everyone on time and making sure it was as visually and orally um, successful as it could be. I quite liked the venue. Eris, they moved it to in the end. I think it was yeah, called Eris. Function one sound yeah, system down, I was down in the basement. With that. I've never yeah, DJed on a, a system that fat, to be fair. Yeah, I've got yeah. a bit of the insider you know, on this one because I helped book it. I've yeah, helped plan sure. multiple tape swaps and kind oh, of nice been one. a little bit involved in every single yeah. one. And it's interesting to see that evolution because I did it for Econ 2, which was October 2019. Yeah. And yeah. it was very scrappy. There wasn't really many people on the West Coast who were like trying to set up shows and events in Los Angeles. So it was pretty much just me getting whatever DIY venue I could and doing it, making it free just because it was cheap to book, but also like 
just kind of sucked it up because we had connections to make it work. And when you have connections, yeah. you get discounts. And yeah. so, you know, I, I think I did technically lose money on tape swap too, but like tape swap three, there were so many more people and the venue was clearly way too small. So one of our goals sure. was to get a bigger venue. And initially I had proposed trans Picos, which is where it was supposed to be originally, but right, scheduling right, right. stuff and moving it to Sunday made it so we couldn't get enough time. And then we knew there was going to be so many performers and so much demand. It got moved to Eris, So we had more space about the same amount of time actually, but more space was a big thing and more performers. Cause there's just so many people that like want to perform. And it's really tough when you have basically four organizers who, you know, we each had some picks. We had some stuff we all agreed on and people that we were all kind of interested in. And it's a tricky thing a to book time. an event with three, four people involved when, hmm. you know, there's a lot of folks that want to play, but I think it went off really well. Mm. It's just kind of necessary to charge when you get into a bigger space. I mean, bigger yeah, spaces, yeah. especially on short notice, don't come $30 cheap. sounded like a lot to us Brits before we got there, but then like the, the first beer we bought, uh, you bought two beers from the bar, didn't you, Enzo? And uh, it cost $40 plus tip. So. In Slashy for yeah, I don't, I don't buy, I don't buy yeah. beer. It was much cheaper. Oh, yeah, I tried in, to get in people the to buy me swap. drinks. <laughs> This was yeah, the best, the best thing in, in, the, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in the tape swap. Indy came over to me and he gave me um, a, a, a little ticket, and I heard him say, "Here's your drinks ticket." So I was like, "Okay, cool." Went to the bar, handed it to this bemused barman who just <laughs> looked at it, looked at me, and then just gave me a beer and took the ticket. What? I later turned out it was That's a some Darren ticket. Brown shit. It was a yeah, no, it was, no, it wasn't Darren Brown. It was like, um, th these I are not the droids you're the looking ticket for. I had, yeah. Yeah. I had the same thing. Yeah. I did not realize that so ticket I was given by Indy was for the raffle. And right <laughs> after my it? set, I like, walked oh, back to the bar mine. downstairs I'm and I gave back. it to the bartender and asked her for like a beer. That's and crazy. I did not realize that that was not a drink ticket. But I guess no. she had just seen me perform, so... She was like, oh, yeah, I thought it was like, oh, the, oh it's the guy an artist, just whatever. Me, it's just like, okay, well, obviously, we've not cleared this or had this conversation, but I'm assuming that this is all legit and above board. Yeah. But, I mean, it'd be interesting to know how many people did this, but yeah. 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 What's it called being constantly incorrect, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a male trait, I think. Oh, well done. Maybe. Maybe. And congrats, Alex. That sounds like a great venue. And also, yeah, apologies for mislabeling it as a utopia district. I didn't mean to do so. It was, of course, no, no, no. I mean, they were community. the people who were volunteering and yeah. all the people that were working that event were volunteers who were part of Utopia yeah. District. But, you know, Ronnie from Vapor Space was involved and then sure. Chief Lee yeah. from VA10 was also involved. And we're all people who are interested in live Vaporwave and putting on events and community-focused events. So it was cool to get to work with the other people from around the country who are focused on community events and trying to make stuff happen in their local scenes. Yeah. So we all got to go there, you know, from Arizona, from California, from St. Louis to New York. And instead of competing against each other and trying to book, you know, independent shows, we all got to work together and support like a grand vision, which is very cool to do. I think that is the beauty of the scene. I think that people like yourself, like Ronnie, like Indy, uh, like Chief Elif, you know, I, 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 I can't list forever because I'd run out of people to name, but people who are putting aside a lot of time and a lot of love and a lot of dedication whilst they've got other aspects of their lives to be getting on with at the same time just to keep the kind of more underground aspects of the scene alive they they deserve every ounce of credit that they get and um, this was you know, was ronnie's last hurrah wasn't it i think he's, he said he's checking I, out i mean i it. hope i hope that's not the case because i think that it would be a huge miss and maybe when he reflects on it and and kind of listens to some of the things that people say about what people like him mean to them and what he does what it means to them i think i hope that he may reflect in future and 
and decide that he might just need a break and then come back again because mm -hmm. these guys I mean I, we do it running a label but there is some financial gain from running a label it's not like you're just volunteering uh, and it's purely you know like it's kind of a, a, a pastime alongside your your day job like there's something in it for us to work daily on what we do but these guys are doing this as as a, because they're passionate about pushing this this community and I think it's absolutely incredible that we kind of yeah you know who else we should shout out in a in a like similar respect to unsung heroes are visual artists who like really aren't in it for financial gain but it's just like a yeah. love of kind of obscure media and kind of interacting with music yeah so people like jumper kimmins just does amazing yeah. things like when we were playing i didn't get a chance to enjoy it because i was kind of nervous doing my first mm. dj set in quite a long time really like to a crowd anyway and i i got i didn't get to really take in the visuals but he'd put things like echo the dolphin on the wall while we were <laughs> playing uh, be real you know the echo jams track That's and stuff cool. and he'd yeah. gone very i mean considered. he did he did he did that kind of level of vhs editing for everyone who was playing in the basement uh, yeah. And just a Loads lovely guy Video as well, drum, little personal touches. Yeah. Just a beautiful yeah. guy. He yeah. came and hung out with, with me at the Airbnb for a little while when you guys were in, in Manhattan on the Saturday morning. And um, yeah, I've, I met him last year. He helped me get one of those um, Knuckles t-shirts. So I love him forever anyway. But <laughs> yeah, just, just a great guy. And people like that, they, yeah. they are like doing incredible stuff because it's nothing without the visuals. It's, it's easy uh, to yeah. get that. Yeah. Especially someone like Video yeah, I enjoyed um, meeting Mike, who's who, who who goes under the name Video Punk, and who put on the the Afterwave events. So it was, it was nice to meet him. He's a he's a massive Anglophile as well. He loves his like British dance music and stuff. So we were bonding mm -hmm. over some quite obscure stuff. Yeah, yeah cool, and cool shouts guy. out to Videodrome. I mean, he drove yeah. up mm -hmm. from Virginia, so he drove with all yeah. his video gear. He has a lot of video gear. If anyone oh, yeah. saw his setup at a slushy, it was even bigger than the one he used at Tape Swap. Mm. And he did two events that weekend. So big shouts That's out to Videodrome. I mean, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to get a lot of these people involved in Flamingo Fest as well, because obviously mm -hmm. now the there are visualists out here on the West the Coast way. too. Yeah, there's a there, well, exactly, and there's, there's going to be. Um, time for us now to spend the next you know two months not only shifting the tickets that are left but also working to make the the kind of experience as, as enjoyable as it possibly can and hopefully working with people to to set up side events and stuff like that as well to make sure it feels a bit like a weekender as well you yeah. know i'm i'm desperate to play more side events that's like my big <laughs> my like only regret from the weekend is that we didn't get to to gig more Mm. I guess there is, it plays into what Alex was saying. It plays into what Alex was saying, though, isn't it? It's that like if you've got three or four people putting a show together, and you've got twenty acts, or, or in, in the Slushy Fest case, mm. maybe ten to twelve acts, it's very hard to give everyone a set. And you want to give people who aren't playing Econ as a starter because they've already got their big their big day kind of thing. Um, and yeah. then they wouldn't know, be allowed like, to. I don't think. No, there's a, an exclusion sharing, isn't there, on stuff like this? Yeah. There was Is an it? official yeah, one. But legally. I think so, yeah. At most, at most, there was, most an, there was an official one this yeah. year. There was. Oh, really? Probably so they were, that's um, an official thing, is it? They, they were told. There was an official radius one. clause, yeah. Inside baseball, there you go. <laughs> um, Enzo, will you give everybody a raffle ticket at, uh, at Flamingo Fest and say, yep, go to the bar, say very confidently, give me a keg of beer and see what happens? No, we need no, no. people to spend money on the bar. Don't money. We? Yeah, we've got like <laughs> yeah, Catch yeah. One. Catch One is a very expensive venue. When I hear George yeah, talking about parts. how, um, you know, you put a lot of work in to do things like Econ. Obviously, it's, uh, Flamingo Fest isn't going to be on the same scale as as Electronicon. But when you hear him talking about all that work for 
not a great deal of profit. Um, mm. You can easily believe it when you start to see the the figures that are quoted for big venues and stuff. And also, when it's same for us, we're putting twenty people on. Uh, 20 or 30 artists across two days. I mean, that's a lot of people to pay. Um, there's a lot of risk if you don't sell out. Um, obviously, right. there's potential to make it slightly profitable if you do. And you have to balance paying people a fair rate for all of the different aspects, visual, uh, audio, things that make the event run smoothly, merch, all those things that you have to cover costs for whilst not being certain at any point until the tickets are sold any if you're going to even cover ourselves, you know. I, I, we're not going to yeah. go bankrupt on it, put it that way. Well, I think yeah, we've sold yeah. enough tickets to feel quite confident in that regard, and it's going to be a good event. But there's no, there's no telling if um, we'd sell out completely. I hope so. We'll see. Yeah, people well, are so things, excited. We, we, were, we were flurrying for the events, like handing out flyers, and people were yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I'm going. Or like you saw people sort of like booking tickets then and there. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, how, did, uh, how did George's new album, sort of, you know, Ooh Rap, I Yeah, how did that go down? Did he play a lot of those live? Yeah, he did, actually. He played quite a bit off of it. I was surprised he started his set with a song from it. He played, you know, his normal bangers, I think, that people always expect. But I did hear some, like, I'm not a hardcore George fan, but, like, I heard some people who've been longtime fans being like, oh, there were some, like, old songs that, like, I didn't expect to hear as well. People, I think, were pretty happy with his set. And, yeah, people recognize the Urap tracks. A couple of the songs on it, like, really stand out. So I think... It was kind of inevitable he'd play it, but it's been five years since he released an album, which thinking back, like, that's a long time, actually, for someone who yeah, seems to is. be very yeah, creative and productive. Yeah, in this productive. world as well, it's an eternity, isn't it? Yeah. Like Stone Rose's second coming, so everyone was waiting for the second mm-hmm. one. What's, what's it? What, 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 I bet um, he fucking loves that as well. Yeah. Yes. That, you <laughs> you know, can hear that. I was watching a documentary <laughs> yeah, about Manchester the other day, <laughs> and I was like, example. oh man, I should have watched this before Econ. <laughs> it was an inadvertent sort of maybe finger on the pulse there. Um mm. Yeah, I like that album. I think it's yeah, I think it's good. I, I would like to hear it live because we, we a bunch of us were had tickets when he was playing. Was it Fabru? Yeah, um, and it yeah. was the fucking week of the train yeah, strike, train strikes and, and stuff, it was just yeah. impossible to get from my part of London to that part of London. But I will always, re- you know, regret that. Um, that's the way it goes. That if he does take a bit of a He'll break, and it's probably a good time to talk about what might be the future for Econ. I think that if he does take a break, he's definitely going to tour this album for a while. Like I spoke to Enrail, I think he said that he's been taken on to do a bit of roadieing for him. Yeah, in the next couple of months, which is a really cool opportunity for him. Oh, okay. Hopefully, hopefully he'll get to play a couple of support slots on that tour as well. Who knows? Hey, how's it going? This is Enrail. The lads over at Donorlands asked me to. Uh, uh, record a little recap of Electronic Con 2023, which happened just a couple weeks ago in New York. Um, I had a blast. You know, it was one of the great greatest weekends of all time. I got to perform at Electronicon. I got to see all my friends from all over the fucking world, you know, uh, the UK, Germany, Australia, like they were, everyone was there. Everyone came and it was fucking blast, you know? Um, it was hot, it was humid. (laughs) Um, and it was exhausting, but that's, you know, that's what goes into the making of, um, of a lifetime memory, (laughs) I guess, if you want to say that. But yeah, it was it was such a fun time. All the events 
that I attended were awesome. I got to see so many people perform, and uh, I got to say hi to so many people that I haven't seen in so long. Um, you know, real life friends and internet friends and fucking idols and it's it's crazy. It was it was such a great weekend and I was super glad to share it with all of my friends. This has been Enrail talking about Electronicon twenty three. Um See y'all soon. See y'all at Flamingo Fest. I, I think, yeah, for the next for the next six months at least, you might expect George to start really touring this album and trying to break it out as much as he can, kind of into the world. Yeah, like I'm surprised Negative Gemini yeah. hasn't toured as much because she just dropped her album also. Yeah, so it yeah. seems like both of them now are in the cycle and they really got to keep getting on it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen to you and... I said to you, Tom, wasn't I, that, that when we did that review for the site or whatever, my cousin, who's, you know, 20 years mm-hmm. younger than me or whatever, had, had been listening to that album already yeah. when the review popped up. Like, it, it break, we were saying it sort of transcends the scene in a lot of ways. And we yeah, well, how big people George who wouldn't is. know what Vaporwave, people who don't have a clue what Vaporwave is, but who know George, George Clanton is. Yeah. Well, I had this you know, French the, girl who works in a cafe around the corner from me kind of um, stop me because I was wearing a 100% Electronica t-shirt. Huh. She doesn't know what Vaporwave is, but she was an Eggy Jammy But fan. she knows the label. Ah, oh, oh, funny. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Well, so, um, like, of the performers over the weekend, I think, like, Data Girl has potential to kind of go on that trajectory, that kind of outside the genre traje- trajectory of just being like a, you know, like a serious electronic pop artist. Hey, this is Data Girl. I just wanted to say that Electronicon 2023 was life-changing in so many ways. Of course, I got to perform and I got to watch my friend Enrail perform, which was awesome. And then beyond just the festival at Summer Slushy Fest, I got to see my two friends, uh, Tom and Jay from DonorLens, perform live in the United States for the first time, which was such an honor. I also got to perform a new track that the three of us all wrote together called Forget Your Name in my set at Electronicon. And of course, it was just awesome to be around the community again. That, that new track that she's put out, I know she's really chuffed to have it out. And she's like, this is a kind of new, sort of a new direction for her. And she's hoping it's going to blow uh, yeah. up. I, I, I choose you one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, That's it's it. A cool yeah, yeah, track. yeah. Sure. Very cool track. But yeah, like def- in a professional era, like sort of really... Like there's just like a handful of artists being really serious with their their promo and like how they present themselves and like thinking about all aspects, not just like making tunes and like throwing them up on the internet. Um, you know, it's like DIY DIY artists like with a very professional approach. I guess that mm. kind of seems to be a, like a trend. Yeah. yeah, which kind of undermines the um, uh, kind of parallel that's drawn sometimes with vaporwave as being uh, kind of analogous to punk. It might have yeah. been the case. I wonder if it is any more the case. I mean, I guess there's still always going to be room for the classic Vapor style, but I think it's a lot harder than just having a DAW and a laptop than it would have been 10 years ago, say. Alex, yeah, making making your voice heard is very difficult. You have, to, you have to do certain things to kind of get picked up by the algorithm and stuff. And, you know, uh, people are learning the, the tricks of the trade. If we, we have are, to do. Yeah, are people we are entering... Uh, sorry, Alex. 
As you say, people are definitely entering into trying to play the algorithm game with Vaporwave instead of letting the algorithm just act on them. And you know, you can influence it. You can use advertising. You could throw money into stuff if you present things the way certain social media websites want you to present them, or use their filters or cut cap mm-hmm. stuff. Like they will prioritize you. And you know, some artists are definitely taking that really seriously. And part of the thing I think is. DIY is not mean shitty. It doesn't mean lo-fi. DIY mm-hmm. can be done very professional and can be done in a very well-presented way that's still authentic, yeah. which is definitely what George is trying to do. So George is still very mm-hmm. DIY. When, him and Lin- when he talks about it, he talks about him, Lindsay, and his booking agent are the people that book Electronicon. Mm-hmm. That's three people. That's pretty <laughs> small. That's not like a committee. Yeah. There's no corporation saying you should book this artist because they're popular, this artist because they're controversial. Like... They're still doing it very DIY, but they also obviously want to go that professional route and have some professional help to make it easier to do what they want to do. And so I think that's what we're going to see for the future of Electronicon is it's still going to be curated by them, but they're going to curate different things. It's not going to be a vaporwave only festival anymore or a, vest- or a festival to promote the vaporwave scene. It's going to mix the vaporwave stuff in with more general alternative electronic music, I guess you'd say. You know, and a lot of yeah. that alternative electronic music comes from internet music and comes from the micro genre trends mm-hmm. that you know vaporwaves mm-hmm. started from. Vaporwaves just one of the ones that's happened to last the longest out of all of them since 2010. Yeah, for, sure. uh, for sure, man. But where does that leave? Who was the shoegaze band who was playing Alex? There Full was, body too. Like, like shoe. Yeah, full yeah body and they thing. had a bunch of samples. They had drum and bass. I mean, people have been trying to put yeah, drum and bass and breaks into they, that the, kind of stuff. Tracks. Oh, yeah, they've been trying. People have been trying to do that in the hardcore scene and in like the underground, like rock scene, all the way back to like this band Angel Dust doing that, or no, it was Vane. Sorry, Vane doing that on one of their albums, now like 2018. So this has been like a thing incoming in like shoegaze and rock and post rock is leaning into like English dance music and rave aesthetics yeah. and Y2K yeah. aesthetics. It's very much like yeah, an obsession so- with UK dance music and UK <laughs> rave. Yeah, well, we from felt the that performing. UK dance music, we got like a kind of hero's welcome, like, to be honest, for, for playing, yeah. <laughs> like being actual Brits playing playing jungle tunes. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's even been covered on Pitchfork. Like, there's a big article on Pitchfork by Kat Zhang and talks about Zoomers being obsessed with British dance music. And like, I, yeah. when I read that, a lot of things click for me. I talked about it on one of the episodes of my podcast where I talked about vaporwave and breakbeats. It's a British invasion. It is an, yeah, a Mark British three. invasion of some sort. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I find myself um, having to learn more about British music so I can like think about these things and like process them better. Okay. Just to, to grab your opinion, Alex, as well, um, if, if Electronicon's going to change direction or if what George and Jeremy do is going to change direction, what do you think is left behind? Like, has Electronicon been a good thing for the vaporwave scene? Do you think uh, that the vaporwave scene is in good health if you take that out of the equation? I think that it's been a great thing for the scene. Uh, Obviously, we are all thankful that it gives us a chance to come together. And it's sort of set an example. I mean, one of the things that I find impressive about DIY is a lot of people lead by example. They don't lead by force. They don't lead by being like cool or doing the most popular thing. They lead by example. And I think George did that. The first three years, he like definitely made a vaporwave focus festival, but you can't just 
make a vaporwave festival forever and expect to grow. To grow, you need to diversify. You need to bring in different people, and you need to like kind of show that there's overlaps. There's overlaps between all these different types of electronic music, whether it's because they all share nostalgia for a certain time, or they're using the same production techniques or performance techniques. I think that you have to diversify if you're going to keep growing, and obviously they want to keep growing. Um, you know, we were talking about how there, there was kind of a dearth of Twitter controversies during this year compared to last year. I did see that there's somebody who's got a bit of a bee in their bonnet about certain things. Um, and they used like a term that I found quite funny um, that like I might sort of appropriate as a badge of honor. They were calling people like Donal Lens genre grifters, which I think, I think is quite <laughs> genre fun. Genre grifters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like I was, I was chatting to Jay about it off air. Obviously, he doesn't want to appear on air. But like, you know, we're both kind of found our way to the vaporwave scene because... People seem to come from, you know, they seem to be nomads from from all sorts of different places and stuff. And like the the idea of vaporwave being like this kind of distinct, like pure genre seems anathema to us because like our relationship with it is it is that it's like a little bubble, a little environment where you can kind of mess around with loads of different sounds. And um, it kind of makes sense because like the, the audience kind of understands what you're doing. They get your references and stuff. They get your or equally the it's it's an inter, it's an intellectual audience that is willing to do research to understand your your point of mm. reference and that's what i like about it is that the, for everyone that we asked what vaporwave is when we were doing the interviews for the film so far everyone has a different answer but the most coherent and logical kind of binding thread is that it's some kind of interpretation on nostalgia uh, and that it has a visual and an, and an audio component, and it's as much an art movement as it is a, a music genre. And it's that nostalgia is the binding kind of thread. And so, <clears throat> jumping off from one scene or another, you know, if you're telling a story and it, it's your yeah. nostalgia, I think that there's a there's a home for it. So I, I don't really understand yeah. people. That's that's one it. thing that, that Jay and I do consistently do because we make concept albums and our tracks all create these little mini worlds and stuff. We don't we don't even when we're making dance music, we don't call them just like a you know like Apex Twin like a random stream of letters and it's not about anything it's just sounds right like a like a, it's always about something and i think i think that's the that's part of the vapor spirit like it's, it's i mean I, i've got mates, world i've got yeah world building is another phrase that came up loads i've got mates who were into hardcore and jungle and all this classic drum and bass kind of style of music that we use for three-piece suites and rob you, you'd be one who, who grew up listening to that stuff yeah. as well Totally and those, and often those people who aren't particularly familiar with vaporwave say that's not vaporwave in kind of the same way as a lot of the Twitter trolls do. Um, that's just jungle or what have you. But it's like, well, no, you're missing the point, kind of, because what what's happening here is an homage to that era. We're not making authentic, strictly true jungle and hardcore in most cases. No, it's, we're, it's misremembered. We're a package. It's, it's like it's like our album Weekend Rush is not to plug that album, but that's about the experience of listening to pirate radio at that time it's a very nostalgic particular time especially for people in london who grew up with this proliferation of pirate radio stations playing underground music that the commercial stations refused to play there's a specific time and place in my youth that i remember very fondly and we kind of conjure up that image as best we can and someone wants to tell me that's not vaporwave well go fuck yourself yeah I, i like what rob said misremembered because that comes up for me a lot when i'm working on uh stuff for the podcast and writing my like scripts and outlines is it's it's memories and misrememories and 
re-memories in mm. a lot of ways. Yeah. Like that's what's interesting about Vaporwave is depending on your age or where you grew up, you're approaching those memories in different ways. And that's part of what I think has expanded Vaporwave to be more than just mm. what it was in 2011, 12, and 13. A bunch of aesthetics. Is there is an expansion of the genre, especially yeah. through the one, where you, the one word way to put it would be nostalgia. But I think memories, misrememories, and re-memories. Yeah, that's lovely. Good yeah. concepts to think about You're, um, when people make music. The, the in this Vaporwave genre. Christmas albums that you put out on uh, Pacific Plaza. I see. What I, I listened to them back to back um, yeah. last Christmas. And growing up in the eighties, I was born in the late seventies. That listening to those albums conjures up things that I know didn't happen. I know I'm misremembering. I know I'd put a veil of you know comfort and warmth and then it wasn't all like that but there's something about being a child in a household full of like adults and uncles and aunts and everything else and it's so yeah alienating comforting warm oddly weird and frightening and um yeah. so thank you just for those albums alone because it, yeah, it's christmas so music's a great example i love christmas music i always have so it was cool yeah. to keep doing that when i joined the vaporwave scene because i had always been recording little christmas albums and eps on my own ever since i was a teenager of mostly oh, wow. just covers but occasionally writing my own christmas song or doing an instrumental and so doing a vaporwave version of it just felt natural back in 2017 and 18 and yeah Christmas is a great, sort of great uh, world and concept that you can apply vaporwave mm. sort Style of techniques and perfectly too. That stuff too, the you know. Commercialization of things yeah, as well. Exactly. Or it's, it's like the happiest day of the year for some people, and it's like absolutely miserable for others mm-hmm. as well. Like it's yeah. a kind of universe of. Yeah, yeah. Christmas music Emotions. comprises of high art and low art, whether that's trashy pop songs or people transforming like choral pieces and transforming yeah. commercials. Yeah, it's the mixing of yeah, high kind and of low tra- trashy movies or really, like uh, or like Hollywood good. classics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Jumping um, back yeah. into econ chat, then should we get some final reflections, um, like take homes from it? How do, <laughs> how do you feel coming off the back of it, Alex? Now you're home. Man, yeah, I've been reflecting a lot the past week, and that's sort of a depression you get after going to like a really amazing event or after you throw a show that next day when you feel like just very drained of all your you know serotonin and dopamine because you were just getting dopamine hit after dopamine hit all weekend seeing people and having your energy brought back by just like the littlest things even though you're completely dead you're on i did three waves of like energy on thursday for slushy fest i don't know how I got that third wave to keep going. But like during econ, that same thing happened during Georgia's set. I got like a whole nother wave of energy, decided to crowd surf again. <laughs> and like, you know, I don't know. There's something uh, about being in a big group of people and being among a crowd that's super unique and super special, which is probably my favorite thing about econ weekend. And my biggest takeaway is just being among other people, being able to have conversations about things you love so easily. Cause I know a lot of people, especially Vaporwave <clears throat> fans have a hard time talking to people in real life about it. People don't know about it. Even if you go to like underground music shows, they still yeah. maybe don't even know what Vaporwave is, or yeah. you might be yeah, the Vaporwave guy in your ago. scene, you know? And so I think just the mere act of being able to get everyone together is super special so I think for the future, we will see more Vaporwave festivals like that. And we don't need George to do it anymore. The template's been set. The example's been provided. And I think this is a growing summer for everybody. Like, yeah, we wanted this to be the biggest and best econ ever. It might not have been, 
But it was definitely a lot of growing for everyone involved, whether that was the fans, the artists playing. Some of them really, you know, grew to have to get up on stage and do this for the first time. And people throwing their own events, collaborating with each other for the first time and working together. There was a lot of working together this weekend that I really liked. And, you know, even just mobbing around the city in a group of like 20, 30 people taking over sidewalks. Pretty cool. Pretty special. So... Uh, I think that's what my it's, thoughts, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's pulling people together. It's like I, I don't mind cucking for George. Like I, I thank him for for starting Ecom. Whatever mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. people feel about its size and scale and the shape of the artist that he he puts on, whether there's enough authentic vaporwave like sod all that, it gets everyone together. We've made friends with people that we've worked with online that would just uh, it would have just been in my imagination that we'd have managed to get people together together, like you said, to communicate with people who actually understand this language that is vaporwave. Yeah, um, like seeing Tom for the first time, I was so excited to see Tom. Yeah. So, Tom knows I've said this multiple times. I just ran I up to him, same. gave him a hug. Hey, you gave me a t-shirt. I, I heard. I heard. I was. I was in, in a rare group of people to get to get a Pacific yeah, Plaza t-shirt. Yeah, I didn't get one. I'm going to get yeah. one next time at Flamingo Fest. I'll grab one. I've been wearing one. it with pride. But nice. I, I felt that when we got off the plane and David Limousine was waiting for us. Um, like, we hung out with him loads last year. He was really helpful, like super helpful when we were doing the LA leg of filming. And uh, people like Eric from Sly Vinyl didn't make it this year, but came last year. It's like spending time in real life with these people. People like yourself, Alex, people like Indy, catching up with people at Roberta's, my favorite place in the world. <laughs> like It's just making those connections in real life. It's such a beautiful thing. Um, it's going to be different if they do do another one. It's going to be different because I did get a message from the, per- the lady who hosted our Airbnb that after September the 4th in New York, Airbnbs will be banned effectively. But not, no one's going to be able to let out properties for less than 30 days. So it'll be very much a hotel oh, vibe if it happens again. Yeah. The state's banned yeah. short term lets. Must be like, that. it must be the impact of people in these brownstone areas, like hipstifying yeah. areas. You can and see why we there, were, we were in a like, huge housing crisis in America. Shocking, wasn't it? Where, where we were, where we were staying, like the, the, Especially Just last like year. The, the you guys were shocked. So, that's so funny. Yeah. I had the opposite reaction. Coming from being in LA all the time, okay. I was shocked how there wasn't tent cities and that the city <laughs> seemed to be doing pretty okay. good. There's still the typical urban blight of empty offices and stuff around New York, but that's been a narrative since I went there in 2017. But I was actually pretty surprised uh, how nice things seemed. It's always so much greener in big cities I mean, on the East true. Coast. So, you know, like... It was surprising mean, how much Brooklyn, green there was around, and there's a, there's a lot of poor areas in Brooklyn where there's no doubt a lot of um, really well renovated brownstones that have been converted effectively to just be lived in by Airbnb renters, because right. you can tell by yeah. your neighbours and stuff. And yes, I guess that has a massive knock-on effect. It's all good and well being able to turn a corner and find a really nice hipster bar and a place to get your pastries and stuff. But if the wider <laughs> neighbourhood is no longer able to afford to live there, I can see why people take these steps. It'll be yeah, sad. It's happening It'll be a different all across way of experiencing America. the city next Maybe time for sure. But they'll all become B and B owners and sort of do it that way. I used to go to Canada and go and stay in B and B's, kind of a four A B and B. Some people I know that had the best experience stayed in hostels. Like there are big hostels yeah. in New York. Um, there was a whole group of people I knew that stayed in a hostel together. They got basically like three or four rooms of the hostel all of themselves. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah cool you know, possible, people. Some people in America don't know about hostels because we're yeah. not like as cultured world travelers because there's so yeah, much to travel within America. Yeah, but like in America, there's a lot of housing supply issues, and a lot of it's being exacerbated by Airbnb. 
taking up whole neighborhoods. And it's a big problem in Arizona. Uh, it's a big problem in California. So I, I'm sure people have mixed reactions to what you just said, but I know a whole segment of people who are going to be like, oh, yeah, great. Cool. Yeah, no, I, th- I, think, <laughs> so, I think we all feel like it's, that, it's but, it's, um, but, it's, it's, it's but not when it inconveniences us. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you personally, personally inconvenience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like it can affect those other people who are part of the problem. Exactly. Uh, they're not us. Yeah, yeah, we're not. We're not the problem. We'll find a way. She yeah, did I'm actually secretly. She did message and say, "Take my number, and if you do ever, or any of your friends ever want to stay in New York, oh, yeah, just take me up, and we'll do it off the books." So it'll be cheaper as well. Uh, yeah. Avoid, yeah. avoid we'll the be Airbnb. Right. I'm all right, Jack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm all right, Jack. Future <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a weekend. I mean, it's impossible to unpack. It's impossible to unpick and unpack everything that. That, that happened on a weekend like that but just anyone that we've missed um and there's bound to be loads of people just there were so many special interactions so many amazing performances yeah. i just loved every minute of the weekend and i don't have the stamina i did when i was younger i wish i did yeah. but maybe i need some class a's next time to keep me um keep me right with the kids yeah, and also thank you to Alex and to Indian for uh, the guys for booking us to play a three-piece suite set. That, that meant a lot. That was a definitely a, a high watermark in my personal experience with Vaporwave, playing to a crowd of people who were really receptive. Because in the UK, it's been a long, 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 long time. I know it's slightly different now, but it's been a long time since people did anything other than clear the dance floor for Jungle. And I know it's making mm. a bit of a comeback, but it was very much out of fashion for a long time when Donor Lens and their mates brought in the garage sound. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> I think we're too hey. young even for that. Yeah, sort I know of, it, was, right. it was um, dubstep. Yeah. It was even later than garage, early dubstep. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, while we've got Alex, um, trucks passing trucks, <clears throat> what's, the, uh, what's in the vibe? What's in, what's in the kennel for that? Well, I'm just trying to play more gigs. So I'm out there DJing and... What's what's, what's what's in my bag? Listen to the podcast and you'll hear what's in my bag. I listen to... I try to talk about what I listen to on the podcast. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to just play more gigs. So I'm available to DJ and go out to different cities. I have a pretty flexible job. And so I made a DJ Instagram like a year, year and a half ago because I knew I wanted to take the DJing and performing more seriously. And obviously most of my focus is on like future funk and like 70s, 80s disco. I'm a huge fan of like American disco from the late 70s. 70s, especially you know, full orchestras and oh, nice. that core sort of Philadelphia soul sound. I really love yeah, Philadelphia yeah. soul music. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to do more DJ sets like that. And I'll, I've been doing other little things. I did a Vaporwave Zero DJ set last spring that had like a Hero, Van Gogh, Simple Syrup, George Clanton, Satin Sheets in it. Um, I want to get more into kind of like yeah, doing jungle and DMB kind of stuff. But Barber Beats has kind of been the next thing I'm thinking about. I love doing Vapor Trap sets. I'm still a big fan of Vapor Trap. And uh, I like seeing people innovate on that. There's some artists trying to kind of innovate the Vapor Trap sound right now that maybe aren't your, getting a shine. But like, your contribution uh, to the Christmas album was a bit Vapor Trappy, if I recall. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I still like that kind of vibe. I've been inspired to produce a little bit more this summer. Earlier this summer, I was saying, like, one of the things I want to do is, like, make a barber beat this summer. And when I got home from Econ, I was feeling sort of that inspiration a little bit and found some stuff to mess around with. But I don't know. I haven't made any tracks in quite a while except for the Christmas stuff the last couple of years because I've been so focused on running the label, doing of visuals, course. And 
building electronics, a lot of the electronics. And then, yeah, in the last two or three months here, I finally did the podcast. And I'm excited to talk about that on like a future episode where we can go into detail because it was actually yeah. a long process to get to actually doing this podcast this way. Like I had I multiple other ideas it's, it's, and multiple other things. Essays. It's really involved. Your yeah, research is very clear. Cool. I mean, unlike we do everything in kind of a rambling fashion, which is kind of common with a, more of a chat show style of podcast. But I love listening to like the other day I was telling you when I saw you in New York about how you turned me on to that uh, Lopatan tape, the early Lopatan tape. Is it games? Yeah, like, the games, yeah. Heaven Can and, Wait and mixtapes. Your episodes yeah. are kind of forcing me to revisit some of the historical aspects of the scene that happened before I was aware of it. And I'm really enjoying that. And I'm sure that lots of people will thank you for that kind of curatorial uh, archiving role that you're performing in, in bringing these things back to, to light, reminding people of where it all came from. I think it's uh, you're doing God's work. Yeah, and I'm trying to remind myself and make sure that like, when I'm speaking about things and speaking about our genre and representing it in the future, that I'm doing it properly and doing it accurately. So that's been definitely a big focus for me the last couple of years, or I should say the last year, is like really looking into the early history, really seeing what people have said over the years, and trying to think about it without being too academic and diving into a bunch of like deep, intense words, because I haven't done that in 10 years since I graduated college. But I am mm-hmm. interested and in have that proclivity, I guess you'd say. And so for me, because I have this proclivity of diving so deep into everything I love, yeah. Trucks Passing Trucks ends up being more of the DJ thing than sort of a producer thing. But I've been trying to make edits for my DJ sets and force myself to make some things here and there and stay in touch with the creative part of being part of the scene. You know, like I do layouts and graphic design stuff for, for my label, but a lot of it is in service of the product or in service of the artist as opposed to making original artwork or material myself. But I will shout out something I did recently, maybe not under Trucks Passing Trucks, but I did do the artwork for the last VHS we put out on Pacific Plaza. That's called Late Night TV. It's a compilation of uh, music videos from the artist Corrupt Save. And they didn't really have any idea for the artwork. So I basically made it all from scratch, using some inspiration from images in their videos. But like made it all from scratch and was really pleased with that so if people do want to see some artwork I've made recently you can go check out that that. VHS we put on our uh, put out on our label this summer so I'm always dabbling I don't really think people view me as like a creative artist but I definitely see myself that way and uh, I wish I had more time to make more music I'm actually facing that crisis right now where it's like I have family stuff. I have my job restarting. I enjoy what I do for my job, although I'm not trying to do it full time. But I would like to spend more time on music and have time to, you know, engage with every single little thing. Like, it's so fun going through and seeing all the releases that people are putting out all the time when I'm preparing stuff for the podcast. And I enjoy getting to, like, sample things here and there. But it's very overwhelming how much, like things are going on in the vaporwave scene when you look around so for me i'm always just trying to keep up trying to give people shout outs and trying to keep myself steady and moving forward along with everybody so oh, alex you're a giver it's, uh, you it's a been giver. a fun journey as trucks <clears throat> passing trucks because that's kind of how i entered the scene as i had the wave race 64 album back in february 2018 and uh i had spent the whole fall before that working on it in 2017 coming off the back of like a big tour and it started off for me as like a fan and a creative and uh 
I gotta get back to that occasionally. So that's why at econ, it's nice to be in the crowd and enjoy things. Crowd surf. I crowd surf during St. Pepsi and George Clinton. <laughs> nice. And uh, getting back to my punk roots a little bit there too, making sure that, you know, they put me up and I don't fall and get my head cracked. A lot so. of people have talked about feeling re-inspired and re-energized by being away for econ. And I think that that we will see some pretty interesting and amazing albums coming in the next few months as people kind of make sure they put the time aside to to put their own you know to channel their own creative kind of yeah. endeavors it's going to be an exciting yeah, time audience members getting getting booked to play in future yeah. years like that 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 happens right that, that was yeah. like Dave, data girl talks about um attending econ one and playing, playing econ, econ four, four. That, yeah. yeah crazy mm. it's crazy so we've got a couple of live shows coming up. Um, we, we've got our future sounds for for people, for folks in London who maybe didn't manage to get on a plane, like yourself, Rob. Um, yeah, we've got I, events I think I was closer an early to bird home. First ticket buyer. We've got Desert Sands. We've got Zero. We've got uh, Vanitas playing his first ever set. Oh, I wish I could see that. Boys as well, oh, yes. and then myself and Fakeman doing a DJ set. And then of course we've got Flamingo Fest in LA on November the fourth, and there's going to be a whole range of events around that weekend, which is really exciting. Um, and we're linked to everything. We're linked to your label. We're linked to your projects, and we will link to the podcast as well. Because I think, like I said to you before, you're doing amazing work with the Vaporwave News Network. I think there's a gap in the market for it, and a lot of the time, what's missing with this scene is kind of people writing long form articles, people doing more considered and detailed podcasts that kind of explore things as an idea rather than just reporting the news or just chatting about things that have just happened. And so you're filling a niche uh, and a very needed and wanted one. So great work. And we will yeah. have you back on again to talk a bit more about that, I think. Yeah, and for people who are interested, so you can go check out the Vaporwave News Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I think it's on Google Play. I've heard from people, it's basically up everywhere, which is great. I also put it up on YouTube. And if you're looking for the social media for Vaporwave News Network, you're going to have to look up VW News Network because it's too long for most handles. So VW News Network for social media stuff. And then, yeah, I run Pacific Plaza Records. That's Pacific Plaza REC on all social media websites. So Pacific Plaza R-E-C and Trucks Passing Trucks that's going to be Trucks Passing Trucks all one word on Instagram I only really have an Instagram for that but yeah if you want to book me for stuff you can just DM me uh, if you want to contribute to the Vaporwave News Network if you have an upcoming release a show like the Future Sounds one going on on uh, I think September 30th right? Yeah. at the Luna Lounge <laughs> okay my notes are right because <laughs> I have my notes section where Scott I have is, IRL uh, and URL shows and I pulled it up it. while you were saying it just to make sure. But uh, yeah, you can hit me up uh, if you want to submit stuff to the show at link dot, or linktr.ee slash Vaporwave News Network where I have Google submission forms for albums, releases, general questions. I'm going to do a Q&A thing eventually. And I am looking for advice from people about setting up like a subscription service or like a monthly kind of thing. And I've been looking a into Patreon. a couple different platforms. See, I'm kind of trying to avoid Patreon. Yeah, it feels like it's like it dominates the industry. Money. They take a big cut. And I've been finding yeah. about, about open source stuff and other things where they'll give you a website as well that's not just a paywall. And I'm kind of interested in making it not a... 
news website. I don't want to start another like, here's where we're going to have all these written things and long pieces. It's more just like easy to access everything on one website as well as subscribe at different tiers or contribute as you feel. So I'm working on that. If people do have advice or thoughts, you can message me about that as well. So I've been trying to tell that to people and I was telling that to people in uh, New York as well. I got some good advice from some people in New York, like you guys, Leftist Legume and uh, Music Website. So I got some good advice from people and I'm always trying to just hear what people have to think because it gives me more ideas and more stuff to consider. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Burning question from the weekend for me, and I posed this to Tom just as a final thought from me anyway. Music website, I love the name of the label. Did they deliberately choose the hardest possible Google search? I know, right? And did they do their <laughs> launch party at a venue called Nightclub? <laughs> very on brand for New York. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe a shout out to them. They're very nice to me. I mean, it's always great getting to talk to uh, Vitesse and uh, Chris who run that label and are kind of doing that thing. So big shout out to them. Their party was pretty fun too. Some great music on there. And uh, yeah, I think Tom, you and you and Jay got to chat with them quite a bit over the weekend, didn't you? So I didn't. Jay did. Jay Jay was saying that they were asking for track IDs from our set, and which is like a, a real flex because it was all our own music, wasn't it? The, the three yeah. PS set. Was... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Very cool. Nice, nice. Okay, cool. Anyone? Any more for any more? Or we'll see you on the other side. No, no more for no more. Awesome. It was Good so cool to you, talk to you guys. Yeah, it's always fun to meet on, like thanks, your Alex. friends from other parts of the world and like affirm that we have a friendship. It's kind of like, you know, tricky for people online sometimes. We all say we're yeah, friends, yeah. but when you actually get in person and make those connections and look at each other face to face and hug, like it's very special and it's very cool. So I, I appreciate getting to come on here and relive some of the memories of you. And I look forward to coming back to talk about more stuff and collaborating on more things with Future yeah. Sounds, My Pet Flamingo. Mm-hmm.